Happy Wednesday. What's up, guys? Emily Schramm, you had Hippie Podcast. What a week. It's so freaking cold in Denver, and I just hate when it's cold. Be sure you're taking your vitamin D, guys, because this just, this is a sick joke. I mean, it's February. It's supposed to be cold, but I got really, really spoiled with this summer in December, January, and I just don't know how I feel about it. I love the ocean and I love warm weather. So I'm just kind of sitting on my biomat and hoping for some sunshine. If you are in sunshine, just soak it all up for all of us that aren't. I hope you guys are having such a good week. So many great things happening. As you guys know, I, I launched the Body Awareness Project. So if you have some skin issues, if you want to learn about liver, genetics, PCOS, hormones, anything that is causing your skin to break out, I highly suggest this program. I've gotten some great feedback and I can't wait to share it with you guys some more. And I also have a new challenge coming up. So March 5th will be version two of the MFIT challenge. So for any of you who have done kind of my basic program, this is just a chance to get a little bit nerdier. We have a new meal plan and some more fun giveaways. 21 days for $21, everything on emilyshram.com. And I was writing some blog. I like write so many blogs and I just kind of forget that sometimes they're all over the place. You, you guys know I'm all over the place. So just so you know, I have a newsletter for emilystrom.com. I have a newsletter for herbalelement.com where I send you, I sent like a fun little blog post on chamomile and all the benefits of chamomile. And then I have a, a workout of the week newsletter for evolvemotion.com. So seriously, three different things. Get on, get on board if you want some more info. And oh my gosh, happy Valentine's Day. This is going to be, I'm pre-recording this. So this is Monday. Wednesday is going to be Valentine's Day. And so for all my lovebirds, enjoy each other. Don't expect too much from each other and just be happy and content with <laughs> each other as is. I think, God, I just hate when people like over glamorize love. Like it is what it is. Like you don't need to get gifts to prove your love. You just love each other. And then for all those who aren't with a love bug, that's okay. Love yourself. Enjoy today. We do have some impact specials. Today only is buy one, get one half off, which is it's crazy deal. I can't believe I'm doing it, but it's just one day. It's Valentine's Day. Screw it. We're doing it. Buy one, get one half off. And if you aren't able to do two, or if you don't have to, you have no use for two impacts, don't worry. I have a self-love promo code where you buy an impact and you get it, a, get a free t-shirt for yourself. So lots of ways to win on this Valentine's day. Um, I'll plug all the info in the notes in the bio. Today's guest is Stephanie Ruper, paleo for women. I've had her book sexy by nature forever. I've been following her. We talked a little bit about getting her involved in the body awareness project for acne, but I think her focus is, I mean, she is so smart. It's just so ridiculous. This lady is amazing. If you don't know her, get to know her through this podcast and then go to paleoforwomen.com and Stephanie Ruper. Everything's linked. She's a stud. She just thinks out of the box. And I just am so appreciative of the way that she processes information and then shares it. And it's very unique. She's brilliant. She is, you know, you just, you'll know, you, you're going to really enjoy our talk. We talk about hormones, um, carbohydrates, but really kind of hippie stuff. <laughs> so probably not like the typical 
hormonal questions that she's used to, but that's, that's how we roll at Meathead Hippie. So I hope you guys enjoy. Let us know what you think. Share it. I would love a review. If you guys like this podcast, give me a review. Um, and I think that's it. Enjoy. I'll see you guys next Wednesday. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. All right, Stephanie Rupert, welcome to Meathead Hippie. I've had uh, you be requested quite quite a few times for my guests. So you are a hot commodity and I got you on the show and I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to say I'm surprised because I think I'm supposed to act like I'm a big deal, but that's, um, that's really flattering. Um, so thanks audience. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, a lot of my listeners really, we want to tackle hormones, right? And that's the hot topic is understanding hormones, understanding fertility, understanding even pre post birth control, the whole madness. And so, um, there's so many things that we can jump into. I have had your book forever. When did you said you wrote this when you were 23 years old? Sexy yeah, by I, nature. I think it, yeah, I think it came out. Oh no, it came out when I was 24, 25, but yeah, I was, um, I was pretty, it's pretty young. Um, and impressive. my, my thinking has evolved since then, but I still stand by like most of, most of what I said, you know, it feels a little young to me, but uh, I still, I still think some of the core messages are valid. So good. Yeah. I mean, I'm just impressed that you have this book at that age because, you know, I'm like, it's on the long to-do list of what I want to do. And I think it's going to be, I'm going to be in my thirties by the time it actually happens. So I love it. Uh, is it true? Can you talk to me? Can we jump into your go-go dancing? Sure. Um, this is amazing. Yeah. So I, um, I just, I, I feel very, why not about a lot of things in life. So, um, and I've been dancing now for 27 years, um, since I was two and I've always loved it. And, um, of course, when I went to college and then, uh, could go to bars and stuff, that was like a whole new world for me. Cause I'd always been dancing like in ballets on stages and, um, in operas and, uh, all of the sudden I like found this like really fun way to like, I don't know, use the, the sort of, uh, communicating like physical body communicating skills I had in a totally different way. So anyway, I really got into that and I was living in, um, Taiwan in 2011 and I, there was this one bar that I just, it was always a lot of fun. It was a really nice mix of, um, expats and, uh, native Taiwanese people. And, uh, one day I had to get off the, I was asked to get off of dancing on top of the bar because <laughs> their regularly scheduled go-go dancers needed to go up. But like the audience, the bar goers were like dismayed. They were like, no. So then the, the then the bar manager started paying me to, to dance on the <laughs> bar. Um, I did, I did uh, have clothing on, you know, I just like rolled up in like, you know, uh, short shorts and a tank top. And I was like, you know, again, I, w I was, I'm not sure I would do that as a career now, but I had, I just had so much fun with it. I love it. Do you that feel like with the people that you work, you know, all the talks that you do and the people you work with, I just find that it's so common for us to 
have everything right on paper, but still be missing the piece that fulfills us the most. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing in their life. Their macros are on point. <laughs> their, their supplements are dialed in, but there's like nothing that fills them up like dancing or, you know, whatever it is for the certain person. I just feel like that's sometimes it's more important than the actual food that we're eating is like, what is our, what's feeding our soul? Yeah. That's something that I, I say all the time to people that I think it's more actually more important to be healthy than it is to like be healthy and eating happy. It's more important to be happy. I, um, and so much of the motivation to eat well, I, th- I think is, is not necessarily aimed towards like having a better life. And so everything that I do, and I do talk about this in Sexy by Nature, like the reason I work on Paleo for Women, the reason I'm, you know, do the podcasting and the stuff is because I really believe that um, with better physical health, we can then like, then we should go live. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, then we should be able to be better people and be able to, you know, like have really nice loving relationships and do fun things. And anyway, uh, yeah, I love it. And paleo for women, paleoforwomen.com, kind of your home base, it podcasts it, everything for your involvement or not evolve, involvement, the way you've evolved with paleo. Talk to me about where you stand kind of now. So starting mm-hmm. off paleo, it's still part of your name, but uh, is it for everybody? Do you personally follow that paleo approach? Um, or do you think it's just, I mean, I've always said paleo-ish, but for your clients, for people that are just trying to find that sexy by nature and natural radiance from within do you think that paleo is for them or have you evolved a little bit? Um, I have evolved a little bit. I'm going to keep talking. I think my connection might be a little bad. Um, Yeah. Hi. Um, Hi. (laughs) There's my picture. (laughs) There we go. Okay. There we go. Um, I hope that's okay. I hope you can edit that out. Um, Perfect. Okay. How I've evolved with paleo. So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So what I still firmly believe is that thinking about the way bodies have evolved to eat and to feel is the best way to figure out what's good for our bodies. And I love in the paleo community, this like functional medicine approach to healing, right? Like figure out what's going wrong and then fix it based on your knowledge of like human physiology and with respect to evolution. And so for that reason, I am more than happy to continue to own the word paleo, but I became like a little bit dissatisfied with the word not very long after I started the website um, because I mean, first and foremost, I wanted to sort of reform the way that we thought about paleo, right? There was, when I first started the website, it was a very male-driven world, you know, it was like Mark Sisson, Lauren Cordain, Rob Wolf, like these were just the only people that people were reading. Um, And there was, there were these articles in the New York Times about like people with like freezers full of meat and they like, you know, went barefoot running and it was just like, oh, we're like ancestors. (laughs) <laughs> which is fine, you know, but I also, um, I stumbled into, I had developed legitimate health issues, I think in part because paleo was still wrapped up in like fitness and being hardcore. And I wanted to be like, well, no, actually like maybe not, you know, maybe yeah. there are, maybe there are other components to the way that we evolved. And also like, let's, 
if we pay a little bit more attention to women's bodies, maybe we will be able to unpack a little bit more like the norms that we're carrying over into what it means to be paleo. So um, I stand by that too, you know, but I definitely think like we should all just be like really smart and investigative about food. And I happen to think the paleo community is really good at doing that, but it doesn't mean that people can't be good at that elsewhere. Oh yeah, we are good at doing it, but you're so right. And I'm so appreciative of your voice in the community as an advocate for not just health, but like realistic health. Like you're so, you're so practical. Your advice is really like, it's okay to have some, some cheats or not even cheats, but it's okay to not be perfect. And gluten doesn't have to be the devil in order for us to find this balance of life. And I think that that doesn't really happen a lot in in this community. So I do appreciate uh, your voice of reason. And um, I would love to know what the book is that you're working on now. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the soft uh, question. Yeah. Uh, so Noel Tarr, who's wonderful, uh, is my co-host of the Well-Fed Women podcast. And she runs a website called coconutsandkettlebells.com. And we have a book coming out in the summer in August, um, actually called Coconuts and Kettlebells. And when we actually, when we first wrote the proposal for the book, we were calling it The New Paleo. And our um, editors and agents really liked actually the name Coconuts and Kettlebells. So that's what it's called. Um, But we were calling it the new paleo because we wanted to outline our new vision of how paleo should be done. Um, We ditched it because the word paleo has become like radically unpopular (laughs) um, in the, in the world um, in part, but uh, the vision that we had and that we have and that we both feel really strongly about is like bio-individuality, right? So what we're saying is, okay, and this is the, like, this is a big part of what I have done in my work. And I have a weight loss program. Um, and in this weight loss program, I advocate the same thing. Like this has sort of come from my ideas that like, you don't have to be low carb to be healthy. Surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and nor do you have to be low fat. Now, low carb and low fat diets have both been shown to be efficacious for weight loss. And I, in my weight loss program, I say, okay, look, like here are some ways to figure out if a low carb diet or a low fat diet would be better for you for your weight loss. And I, we t- I talk about things like insulin sensitivity and hormone levels and different periods of your life and different lifestyles and that sort of thing. And then Noelle and I carried that over and we created this like huge program you know, and we're like, okay, here's how you figure out what foods are best for you. Here's how you figure out whether like carbs are good for you or fats are good for you or like both. Um, and here are a bunch of recipes and here's a fitness plan. Like we literally, we give people everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's really wonderful. And I, the core principle of the book that I love the most, um, is this idea of hitting macronutrient minimums. Mm. So all of the talk that we do in the health space is like eat, you know, if you want to be in ketosis, which everybody is doing right now, I kind of thought we were over that, but like, okay. right. Where did this, it's just so huge. I mean, it's these people coming out of the woodworks like, Hey, Em, have you heard of keto? I'm like, guys, <laughs> I know. And like, now I'm like six years ago. 
I meet people like in the bar at Oxford and like anywhere and people are like, I'm doing keto. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I know. It, it just, it used to be a French thing. And this isn't to say that keto cannot be therapeutic. You know, for some people it works really well for certain things. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I really wanted to like push back against this idea of, um, don't eat more than, you know, don't eat more than a hundred grams of carbs a day. Don't eat more than, you know, X, Y, Z fat. And so what I do instead is say, and I, I really stand by this is look, hit your minimums, right? Mm-hmm. Get at least minimum 50 grams of protein. And if you're an athlete, you know, bump it up. Um, if you're a guy, bump it up, um, get at least a hundred grams of carbohydrate. Um, and then I know I acknowledge that for low carb, you know, for some people, a really lower carbohydrate approach is more therapeutic. So I acknowledge that. And I say, get at least 50 grams of fat a day and then fill the rest in with whatever you want. You know, you can fill it in with uh, way more fat. You can fill it in with way more carbs. But what I want is for people to hit their minimums so that their bodies are like getting what they need because all of the macronutrients perform an important function in the body, you know, like they just straight up do. And so um, Noelle and I have made that a cornerstone of um, our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll be able to like help people be healthy, not just physically, but also have like a positive, healthy relationship with food. Like what an enormous psychological change it is to go from thinking about your macros and your calories in terms of don't eat more than, and now in terms of eat as much as eat at least. Um, yes. I love that so much. It reminds me of, you know, when I'm weightlifting or doing like a squat, right? So, or coaching cues where if you tell somebody, okay, don't look down right before they snatch, what are they going to do? They're going to look down. down. Yeah. So it's just this, that's such a beautiful way of doing it. It's, I mean, we're so hard on ourselves. And I say this because I am the hardest person on myself and we demand so much of our bodies all the time. And so, you know, ultimately if we're trying to make improvements and we're demanding our body to do more things mentally, physically, emotionally, it's such a process to actually get change to happen and stay with a program long enough to feel that that momentum of change is happening. I think that's such a great way to state it. And I think I can't wait to get it. You said August is when it's coming out. You're nice. Yeah. Thank you. August. No, I love, I love it. I love supporting people that are writing about the things that need to be written about. Not another, I mean, I love, I'm not even going to say what the thing I was just going to say, but yes, it's a really, <laughs> it's really good that you're writing it. So I appreciate it. Uh, do, do you feel like, you know, as, so tell them what you're doing now. So you're, you're across seas, you're over the pond. Yeah, I move around a lot, but I'm doing my PhD at Oxford and I am currently in Oxford. Um, I My PhD is actually in the humanities. Um, I did my undergrad in the sciences and uh, then I wanted to, I realized that I wanted to be talking about what it all meant instead of actually working in a lab because um, if working in a lab is fun for some people, but it's just <laughs> it's not for me. Um, <laughs> And so now I study, um, I study what science means. I study ways in which people have um, emotional and spiritual relationships with science. Mm. Yeah, which uh, is not, it, which does in some sense apply to, you know, the things we were talking about, about people's relationships with um, data and their diets, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you felt like the things you've talked about now or are studying now has affected kind of this, this new book at all? Is there any new uh, theologies or ideologies that have come from it? 
Um, I mean, always. And I do have books that I'm working on in this field, you know, not coconuts and kettlebells, but like, you know, my serious uh, philosophical stuff. I think probably the most important thing that carries over, I mean, I do, a. there's a few things actually. One is uh, like death and mortality and like limitations and materiality. You know, I'm so aware of the ways in which um, our existential situation compels us that I see it. And again, it, it points to, I see it a lot in like, you know, people like eating a perfect diet isn't going to make you live forever, you know? <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm thinking always about uh, sort of how we actually have meaning and like high quality meaning, you know, how we yeah. um, best construct uh, meaning in our lives. And I also, through my work, I do do a lot of studying of evolution um, and have come to understand the human nature and the development of human beings in ways that I never really imagined I would um, with just so much more uh, nuance and attention to um, the details of the way culture influences evolution and influences our genes. Like all of those things are really important. Um, and it has helped me, I think have in my relationship with body and my food, a much more um, flexible and free relationship I suppose yeah the understanding of it it's like puts in perspective maybe a little bit with the mm-hmm. with your own do you have uh, this is kind of personal but your own spirituality practice like as you're thinking of death and afterlife and uh, <laughs> evolution do you yourself have uh, ways that you you know whether you tell us your religion or not or your spirituality I would be curious to know kind of your how do you connect with that spiritual self, especially when um, it comes to de-stressing? This is so, such a fun question for a health podcast. I <laughs> don't get to, I usually don't get to talk about this. It's the hippie and um, meathead hippie. <laughs> perfect. Um, so there's a few things. Um, I was raised in a home and my parents hated religion growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually did my master's degree in a seminary and I lived with um, future ministers and it was wonderful. You know, I came to appreciate religion and faith in a way that I hadn't before. I ended up not really adopting anything myself. I do sometimes go to Unitarian Universalist churches because mm-hmm. they're wonderful. Um, I didn't adopt anything myself. What I do do, I like to think about it as having like sort of, I have two complementary practices. One is I spend all day studying this stuff, <laughs> you know, like 70 hours a week. I'm thinking really deeply. Um, I'm starting a new podcast on these sorts of things. Like that is sort of my like intellectual, like active engagement with um, like the meaning of life, you know? And then on the flip side, I have dancing, um, which is where I sort of shut off my brain and really like immerse myself in my environment, in the world, and the people that I'm dancing with, because now I do mostly partner dancing. Um, and that f- feels very much like a spiritual practice to me. Mm. I love that you said that because I, uh, my mom, who is my biggest podcast fan, is a contra dancer. Do you know what contra dancing is? Yeah, I did my, um, I went to Dartmouth, and so I lived very close to Vermont, and I used to, um, 
ride my bike to contra dancing on the weekend. Uh, I love it. She's going to be so happy. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh, I think it's just interesting. It's, it goes back to what I said earlier of what is the thing that, uh, whether it's religion or whether it's dancing, you know, trying to get somebody to find, I feel like I find more times than not. And this is for myself as well, is that people just don't allow them time. They have time, but it's not a priority because it's this like sense of self-worth. Like they don't feel like, like it's almost, they don't even know what to do when they actually do have time to enjoy mm-hmm. something. You know, they're so shut off from their own sense of what makes them happy. Cause I think it's their, this own like self-worth uh, mentality that they don't deserve it. Or somebody in their life said that they didn't deserve it. I just think it, there has to be more than just time restrictions that don't allow us to do the things that actually light us up. Yeah, that's, I think that that's really important. I also think that we, um, I think that sometimes the things that make us happy require energy. You know, they require a little bit more energy than uh, scrolling through Facebook does. And I think the way that our lives are set up, you know, with working 40 hour work weeks and, or more, um, you know, the stress of keeping your life together and just like buying groceries and paying taxes and um, being, well, having all of these responsibilities on your shoulders. Um, I think at the end of the day, people are often just like too tired to like really dig deep into, you know, their spirit or their happiness or what have you, you know. Um, I'm not saying always. I think definitely there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of the self-worth stuff and the like abnegation, right. And, Mm -hmm. um, ignoring our own, our own joys. But I also think that it it would be easier to tap into and, um, maybe even like just go to therapy, right. It would be easier to tap into those things if we, um, structured our lives such that we actually like felt free to do so. Mm. And that's a great point. That is true. It does take just this little bit of energy that, sometimes we don't feel like we have to give. And I have actually, I did this little self experiment of going 36 hours without social media completely, which sounds so ludicrous. Like I'm so (laughs) disgusted by myself that that's a big deal, but it was, it was a really big deal. And I was just like, God, this is so amazing because I, I felt like I got the most done out of my life in that 36 hours. So I do think that a lot of times when we think that we have no energy to give, it's usually because we're giving it in stupid little ways, like reading comments or getting our energy sucked by somebody that said something that doesn't mean anything, but it, you know, I just think there's little tiny ways to pull back your energy and claim it again. And I don't know what, if it is always social media that can sometimes take it out of us. Maybe it is just work and bills and taxes, but sometimes there's ways to delegate to where all of a sudden you have a surplus that you didn't have before. So, but that was a, that's a great point. Um, I'm going to jump into a little bit of nerdy stuff. So we're back into the health podcast side, (laughs) but we can come back to this anytime. Trust me, feel free to bring it back up. (laughs) Um, I just know that for my clientele, and same for you, I'm sure you get this question all the time, is uh, trying to find that, especially with the keto craze, the happy carb balance. And so I just want to know from your educated standpoint, um, your take on carbohydrates for women, specifically for women, because it's true. And this is just taken from your book, the 
this is a quote from Sex by Nature. First, at least half of the people who have succeeded on low carbohydrate diets, most of those who have been studied are men. And you know, I talk about this a little bit with Dr. Stacy Sims as well. There's very little research for women because we're so unpredictable. We have a menstrual cycle. We're just kind of all over the place. And so we're difficult. So we're not studied. And so what is your take on somebody who has hormone imbalance and has been told whether for PCOS or whether for low progesterone, uh, that a high fat, low, low carb diet is the answer, uh, but it's still not working. They're still not seeing kind of the, the benefits of that low carb, high fat diet, and they're not sure where to go. Um, well, I wouldn't tell them to do that in the first place. (laughs) Yes. Um, I mean, I really do think like, okay, so if there are, there's one set of problems, one (laughs) that I think is helped, um, by a low carb diet. And that is like the cluster of problems around insulin resistance, diabetes. Right. Um, and I think that when, and then there are downstream effects such as polycystic ovarian syndrome, some of which is often related to that, but there are other kinds of PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, but about 66% of PCOS is related to um, insulin resistance in one form or another. So I'm glad you said that statistic because I didn't know that. I was curious what the breakdown was of, because the other 44% would be more hypoglycemic kind of insulin um, resistance. Yeah, well, I'm just... That's very general, you know, studies say like about six out of, then this comes from the statistic that like six out of 10 women um, with PCOS are overweight and struggle with insulin resistance or diabetes. Um, And that's data that I encountered a few years ago, so it it might be updated by now. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other groups of women who have PCOS are actually, I mean, I, I deal with them a lot a lot, a lot on my website. I have a program for overcoming PCOS that I wrote because I had PCOS and I studied it for years and years. And the other people would be um, ones who undereat, ones who are really stressed out, um, women who have hypothyroidism. There's many, many, many different causes of PCOS. So anyway, but one of them is related to insulin resistance. And um, these can be helped by having a lower carbohydrate diet, but that's not like that's not a solution to the underlying problem. A low carbohydrate diet will not solve insulin resistance. It's only going to make you like fix your insulin levels for a while right now. Mm-hmm. The kinds of things that will remediate the insulin resistance problems are um, reducing inflammation, like fixing your gut flora population, like um, boosting vitamin levels, including magnesium and chromium and vitamin A and zinc and like everything. Right. So, um, normally when women come to me with a hormone issue or a weight loss issue, or I'm not even sure what issues were that you pointed out they're on a low carb diet. Um, I would, I would not, I would not go to managing macros first. I would say, if they struggle with insulin resistance, yeah, let's do a low carb diet while we do all these other things that will heal your underlying problems more in a more long-term fashion. Um, so to anybody who's on a low carb diet and it's not working, I would say, um, yeah, but no, I, a low carb diet, I don't think is going to fix anything. 
in the long run. Um, it's really not. And so if you want to heal and if you want to be able to eat carbohydrates, um, then (laughs) taking a more targeted approach, um, to like your condition and the things that can fix that, whether it's certain nutrient deficiencies or hormone problems, autoimmune disease, like there's a really long list of things, um, that can be much more specifically targeted and not with managing macronutrients. Hmm. I love that. And can you just put a number to what low carb, uh, just cause there's so many different versions sure. of low carb, like low carb, meaning what amount of grams and what do you think is a moderate or more reasonable gram carbohydrate? Um, grams? I think anything under 50 is low. Mm-hmm. Um, I normally tell women to start with a hundred grams. And then if you find that if you think, and if you're feeling good, then you can go lower. You can go as low as 50. Um, if you're looking for a therapeutic low carb approach in some way or another, but normally I recommend that people, you know, go higher than that if they want. I personally, I mean, at certain times in my life, I've eaten, you know, more than 300 grams of carbohydrate a day and been perfectly healthy and perfectly insulin resist or insulin sensitive, <laughs> yeah. um, and gotten my blood tested. Right. And so obviously, uh, my body is not the same as other people's bodies. Um, some people like end up for usually for weight maintenance. You know, I think, I think a lot of times we, we like to talk about these issues, like they're for specific health issue, but really people are just secretly trying to maintain their weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> for, and so for weight maintenance, um, we'll find that a lower carb approach is, is good for them, but I don't, um, you know, I, I don't think it's necessary for everybody. So, uh, yeah, 50 grams of carbs is low. Okay. Um, I like to start with a hundred. Perfect. I love it. I do. My sweet spot for me personally is like 125 to 150, but there are definitely days where I get close to 200 and I am not so great. At two, I get a little crazy anxious, but for the, if I go under 125, I get kind of crazy anxious too. So I do love the, what you talked about earlier, the bio-individuality of it. And your, so your story, did you start your journey in this field because of your own PCOS or was it before that? Yeah. Well, I actually got into paleo. I had starved myself thin and my mother was worried about me and she recommended paleo to me. And instead of paleo, um, making me healthier, I just found a different way to try to be thin. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's what the sphere was at the time, you know? Um, and so I ate really low carb, um, and was hungry all the time, but that's because that's what I, that's what I was trying to do with it. And I was trying really hard to find a way to have my cake and eat it too. You know, I wanted to be thin and at the same time, um, have a menstrual cycle, which I didn't and have a libido, which I didn't and have clear skin, which I didn't, you know, I had acne that hurt so badly and looked so, uh, not the same as my face at other times that I like was afraid to leave the house. And, um, all of these things were because I was eating too few calories and I think also eating too few carbohydrates and just an over exercising. Yeah. And so then that was when, when I realized that I could not have my cake and eat it too. And when I realized that I lived in a culture that made me think that being thin was the same as or better than being healthy, 
you know, then I like, then I got furious and I started paleo for women. And I just like wrote and wrote and wrote like all these posts about, um, like feminism and body image and how we're all like, you know, starving ourselves for this ideal and using diet as a way to like hide behind our body image issues and the like. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when like, I sort of entered the space in a way that ended up being pretty transformative. Um, you know, back in the, back when I started, people weren't talking about body positivity in paleo and people weren't talking about food freedom and flexibility. Um, and so insofar as I was able to help push those things to light, I'm really grateful. And you do a wonderful job with it. Seriously. I am. Um, I love it. I love all your stuff. One of my favorite things that you have in your book is bandages do not heal you. You heal you. And, and it's so true. Cause I think it's, uh, very common for people to come to paleo or come to, you know, one of our programs or whatever it is, just they want to be healed and they want to feel like they're not broken. And at first it's just like instant, like, yes, this is it. This is so, this is going to be what fixes me. But I do think what, what you even just said, where you're like, well, it's more than that. It's just like feminist power. It's like, we're still putting ourselves in this box of looking a certain way. And I think it's just this um, belief of self of knowing that we are capable of kind of anything, anything that we want to do without body image being such a deciding factor of it. Cause that's always the first thing. That's the priority, losing weight, changing your body, looking a certain way, having a six pack. And it's just, I don't know how to sometimes break that with my clients because I, I get it. Cause I'm also that same way where sometimes it's like the first thing you think of is appearance and just teaching people that there's so much more than that. Uh, it's tough because it's not sexy. It's not, it's not a appealing thing to say health first, and then you can have the body you want. Do you have a, any way to that you work on that with your clients outside of just explaining, you know, when they get it, they get it right. They're like, yes, my health comes first. And with that, my body will become in balance and I will find the, the happy place that my body's supposed to be in. But do you have any tricks, you know, that's more spiritual. I think more back, we're back to the hippie side of what, how to help somebody navigate that process when right now their forefront is changing their body composition. How do we get them to the point where, they want to just feel better. Um, yeah, I have, there are a lot of things that I talk about. I think first and foremost, it's important to acknowledge that like the number of people who were like, who, who quote unquote, get it, you know, who have it easy in a sense, or who have like come to full body acceptance is, um, vanishingly low, you know? And I think even often when women write to me and to me and Noel about health issues, they're still kind of secretly talking about their weight and we can tell, you know, you can sort of figure that out. But anyway, um, I think first and foremost, like I tell people like, yes, your body like can settle. Yes. Like I am cool with weight loss. You know, I'm not the kind of body acceptance person who says you should never, um, want to change your body. I think it's wonderful. But what I so much emphasizes you have to work with your body. We have this um, idea in our culture, like we're at war with our bodies, you know, like there's a very militaristic feel to our behaviors about going to the gym, you know, about like fighting our bodies, you know, fight your hunger drives, like make sure that you like, you know, 
feed your body only this X, Y, and Z. Um, and what I try to say is like, look, your body is like, it really wants, you know, is in so far as the body wants things like your body wants, or it, it naturally can settle into like a very healthy weight. And I'm not going to say that every woman is going to be like a size two because female bodies are just not built that way. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I'm a size two, I don't menstruate. Like yeah. it just doesn't happen. Um, and, and that's just, it's just a fact. So and just, and people, if you don't menstruate, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an indicator that your hormone systems are not, you know, they're just, they're, they're not inching forward because they're not being fed. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yes, bodies can settle, but they've been unfortunately like bombarded with obstacles throughout their whole lives, you know, starting from when they were in the womb to like how much they were hugged by their mother immediately after they came out of the womb, like these things matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your childhood and how you ate and your body image issues and all of these certain things, all of these things have sort of um, been in you and your body's way. And unfortunately in our culture, that means that we like develop antagonism to our bodies. Like we blame our bodies for not being healthier, for not looking a particular way, but they can't be blamed because we grew up in these systems, these food systems and these beauty norms and what have you. And so what we need to do is like really get on our body side. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, there's a golden rule of sexy by nature. And it's something like, um, if you, the more you love your body, you know, the more your body will love you back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so if you appreciate like everything that your body does do right, one thing that I try to convince people to do is like acknowledge the fact that your body does millions of things, millions, literally millions of things, right. Mm-hmm. More than it does wrong. Right. Um, and be so grateful for what your body does for you as opposed to how it looks, you know, and I'll, also I'll like talk a lot about like our culture and um, the media and like trying to make you feel bad about yourself. Right. Because then they can sell you products. Like, Oh yes. Oh, isn't that so exhausting? Even, even just that's what all social media is now. Right. So it's like, sorry to go back to social media, but I randomly, so I decided to take this 36 hour hiatus and then I went on my explore feed and I just was disgusted with it. I couldn't even, it made me want to quit altogether of just everything. Like I'm quitting my job and starting from scratch. <laughs> this is so ridiculous that I'm, I, you know, I'm so am fearful of like, you know, of course I put out good, I'm trying to put out the positive body, but it's so easy to get sucked into. I am just not good enough. And I get it because people are telling you that. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so real. So on one hand, like I give women all these like positive things to think about. And then I'm like, look, here are all the norms that we have to deconstruct. And Mm. I think a huge thing that we have to do is like really really be critical of the voices that we encounter in our lives. And that could be like negative people, you know, that could be a judgmental atmosphere. Maybe you're in a gym, maybe you're in a CrossFit environment that's really competitive. You know, Mm -hmm. I know that CrossFit is like usually pretty cool on body image and stuff like that, but um, these things do happen. And for me personally, like I can't even watch like a movie without feeling bad about myself because, Mm -hmm. you know, or like just like a standard, movie in a theater like everybody's really tiny 
and they have muscles and their skin is really nice, you know? Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, and I just, and I see it immediately, like, because I'm so attuned to this, I immediately, like, even if it's tiny, I, I see what's happening to my brain. And mm-hmm. you just like, you can't like our, our neurons wire into pathways that we tread a lot. And if you tread that path once or twice, then it's going to be easier for you to tread it a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and just sort of fall into these spirals of comparing yourselves to like things that just like we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to like, we should just like try to be good humans um, and like feel good in our bodies. um, And that like that in itself, the argument, another argument to make in sexy by nature is that like your embodiment, like you're willing to your willingness to be in positive relationship with your body and just own who you are and be like, yes, this is me, you know, like that is the sexiest thing. Mm. And so like me, I have like, I have some health issues that mean that I like, I can't, when I try to control my weight, um, like bad things happen. Right. I just, I can't, I stop sleeping. Like I develop anxiety. I just like, it can't happen. And I like, I just own that. It's like, okay, cool. You know, like this is who I am. This is like with my health, this is where I am. And I like, I live practically live in a library and <laughs> like, you know, I, yeah. I accept that. And I really do think that that's the kind of thing that compels people and makes them want to be around us is our like ease with ourselves. People yeah. call it confidence, you know, just like, um, and we look at movies and that like that kind of look and that kind of confidence and trying to like fit into an image is, I think like just so more for lack of a better word shallow you know it's just it has less it has like less human reality and compelling depth to it um than just like being who you are and feeling really bossy about it uh everything is so good that you just said i have so many things i think the first thing just because i have a lot of crossfit listeners i want them to know and this is actually why i stopped crossfit because just because body acceptance is there and people love strong women and it's like a great movement of teaching people how to be capable and it still is a time at the end of the day that goes on a whiteboard. And I still think that some sort of measurement of you versus somebody else that drove me crazy. I couldn't, there was no in between. And I think it's still this very, uh, yes, it's a result, tangible results of your progress, but it's still a tangible comparison method against other people, which is ultimately what I think most of us struggle with. I have a question for you. When you, you know, say we're in the theater and we see like Wonder Woman comes on, all the Amazonian women, and they're just like buff and look perfect in HD. What is the way, do you have a, outside of just kind of coming back to self and centering and just repeating, I have like a couple mantras that I do when I get into that bad space where I can feel myself start to spiral. Do you have any, cause I know this is so, this is so huge. Like what, what are your tricks and what has been helpful for you when you start to get into that tunnel vision of not good enough, wish I was better, wish I did this X, Y, Z that brings you back to your own body? Hmm there's a number of things. Um, I think one is I meditate on the fact that, um, I would rather be spending my time. I know I'm, I am close to offending a lot of people here. (laughs) I would rather be spending my time doing other things. 
right? Like this is a choice that I actively make. I could look like them if I wanted to, but like there are, I really could. I know, I like, I know what has to be done to do that in terms of eating and working out. Like I, I could kind of look like that. I have in my past. Um, but one, um, I take pride in the fact that I do not adhere to body image norms. And I feel like I have to be an example to the young girls that I encounter and the women in my life. You know, like I believe that if we like want to see change in the world, thank you, Gandhi, like we should be it. And um, I feel very strongly about um, being the thing that you think people should be. And for me, that means um, not succumbing to these norms and doing the thing, the harder thing, right? It would be easier for me emotionally mm -hmm. to follow society's beauty standards. It's harder to say, no, you know what? Like, I'm going to be totally chill, 20 pounds heavier than X, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. And then on the other hand, like looking that way and looking at any kind of way, like curling your hair, putting on, you know, spending a half hour on your makeup in the morning. These things all take time. And I would much rather use my emotional and financial and time resources to like work on other things, to try to like be a good person. That's the part I thought might be offensive. <laughs> I think you can work out and be a good person, obviously, you know, but like, I like very, I'm very deeply like concerned with transforming the world, you know, and how can I be a more compassionate human being? And yes, I do believe in working out because it enables me to be a better person. You know, it, it helps keep balanced, you know, good for my circadian rhythms, all that stuff. I love it. It's great. It's important, but I, I will not become obsessive about it because I, it's performs a function for me. It's not an end. It's a means to an end. Um, and that's, that's also very helpful for me as you know i think about uh like who do i want to be my role model do i want it to be somebody who's like hot in an ad or do i want it to be like malala mm -hmm. you know or michelle obama or whoever you know i love whatever like, so much well she works out and she's beautiful but like my point <laughs> my point is that like i remind myself that these are the kinds of things i want to be in it's society that's telling me that like having perfect looks is actually perfect quote unquote is actually what makes us um like beautiful humans and it's interesting and this is what i go crazy about because i always try to find this root by the way love what you just said i just i want to hang out and have tea all the time with you um i think that what is really it drives me crazy is that where does these where does this norm come from right it's our own you know to curl our hair and put on makeup and look beautiful. And I love that. I love when people feel beautiful in their own skin, but sometimes I get a little bit crazy because it's the same thing when people say that, you know, those muscles are manly, that's too masculine. Well, who, where does that originate from? Where did that first come from? Because it was most likely a man that said that. Therefore the woman took it as I am less appealing and mm -hmm. I should not do this because the man thinks I'm less appealing. And so it's so, it's the same thing. It's the sexism. And then it just kind of drives me crazy. I'm, you know, when you look at it, like what looks beautiful to people, it's usually because men decided it looks beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, or, I mean, also like there's a lot of data that demonstrates that like 
inter intra sex competition is like really fierce. Right. And we know this, like women really like to compete with women. And so we have these like sets of ideas of things that men decided, but also like we think men decided. I just remember like, I've had so many experiences, um, of women like expressing jealousy or admiration for when I had like an eight pack, you know, they were like, Oh my God, you're physically like intimidating and beautiful. And I want to be you, you know, you're a statue. Huh? And, um, and the men in my life being like, I don't really care, <laughs> you know, like um, they didn't, but women were like, because we exist so much in this culture of like, um, perfection and competition and um, being valued because of our looks and that you know that definitely is, has to do with a, a relationship with men generally speaking yeah because we, we we fail to like we fail to really relax and we fail to um, and again it's like totally not our fault you know but we fail to actually just like be who we are and I'm totally like I'm wearing some makeup right now like I'm not saying you shouldn't do that but I think we all need to be like really aware of what we're doing and make intentional choices about like the way that we want to exist in the world and how much of, you know, how much do we want to live into these norms and choose like, you know, like, do I want to be a woman who like really is femme, you know, or like, do I want to have a lot of muscles? Like, who do I want to be? I just think we should be really um, intentional about it and screw the haters. Yeah. Like whatever is your message for you. And I think that's, what's so cool is when you find people that are in alignment with they're doing it because they truly want to do it versus they're doing it because they feel like they should be doing it. You can tell because their body embraces it. It doesn't resist it. It's just this flow. It's not like a dragging themselves, pulling themselves. Like I have to make this work. <laughs> you know, it really just flows. And, uh, I just hope everyone listening knows that that exists, whatever that thing is for you, you know, trying to find the balance, trying to figure out, you know, what it is. I, it, you will find it. It just, don't make the wrong things try to fit in your box that might not be a box, I guess. Mm, mm. Yes. Man. Well, this has been such a wonderful talk. I, I ask all my, all my guests this. I would love to finish with figuring out, or you might already know, I feel like you probably know, uh, what your spirit animal is. Ah, you really ask all your guests. That's so great. I do. One of my favorite questions. Is it really? <laughs> That's good. Are yeah. You? I have this, um, I found this book. I guess this is good for me to say for my new listeners. So when I, uh, was, I got, I was, this is a total hippie shop in Denver and I just walked in, it was probably five years ago. And on the shelf was this really hippie book called animal spirit guides. And I picked it up and I didn't know I had a spirit animal. I just kind of I assumed I'd be like some black panther or something, but my friend has <laughs> my friend has always been obsessed with polar bears. She's writing a book on polar bears. She draws them. She's just a, she's just a polar bear. So I was like, okay, if this book says polar bear is what Hillary is, then I believe this. And it was so dead on. I sent it to her. We started crying. It was this moment. It was just something really impactful where it was like it just kind of remind it was just like gosh we're so small so I love spirit animals I figured out I am not a black panther I am a hummingbird <laughs> but um I would love to know what you are that's a great question <laughs> it's a 
fun question. Um, I used to, so there was a thing on my podcast where um, when listeners write in, sometimes they tell us they're spirit animals because Noelle and I used to talk about that a lot. Um, yeah, just for fun. Um, I used to say a lot uh, that my spirit animal was a sloth and not because I felt like I was a sloth, but I wanted to um, learn more from sloths. <laughs> I wanted to um, move more slowly you know, be a little bit more present. Um, and so that was something that I used to say a lot. I definitely don't think I'm a sloth. Um, no, you wrote a book at 23. I don't think you're a sloth, (laughs) (laughs) but it's true. The cool thing about this book is like, I'm not even, I don't even know. I plug this book so much. It's like, it's, I have no, uh, association with this book. I just love it. It says like, if it shows up, it means this. So if you dream about it or if you see it randomly, and then if you call upon it, so like you're kind of yearning for the same thing like you, like you want, like for me, I want whale-like qualities. Like I call upon a whale, even though I'm so far from being a whale, but I wonder what your actual, if you, and I can send it to you afterwards and say it in the intro, if we ever think of it. I might be a fox. Mm. There's somebody I know who thinks I'm a dragon. <gasps> That's my, um, I'm part dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Dragons are great. I'm a dragon. I might be a fox. Are you a night person? I am a night person. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> you are a night person and often are most productive and creative at night while others sleep. You're a keen observer, always watching, noticing what's being said as well as what's not. And because of this, you can usually anticipate what's about to happen. You are an excellent parent or parental figure, nurturing, protective, conscientious. You are able to turn the page. You can surprise everyone by coming up with obscure yet creative solutions to problems. Um, well, I'm definitely not nurturing, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I could be nurturing, but I, um, I think you're nurturing to your audience. I think nurturing. it might not be, maybe not your, your actual child, but from what I can see with your books, with your podcasts, I think that is nurturing in your own way. So I, I don't know. I think Fox might be a top Fox part dragon and I'll be hummingbird part dragon. How about that? That sounds really beautiful, both of those things. I love it. Well, Stephanie, thank you for your time. I know you're busy, you're studying, you are writing, you are just always providing and nurturing us with content. Where can people find you? Um, And, you know, what else do I need them to know about you? Because I want them to connect with you. Okay. Um, so the nutrition stuff is paleoforwomen.com. I have uh, programs for acne, for PCOS and for weight loss. You can find them all there. Um, the podcast is well-fed women. Um, the book in August is coconuts and kettlebells. And if you want to find me, you can probably do that at stephanieruper.com. Um, I'm currently working on again, um, a podcast that's going to be about like how to experience meaning in a scientific world. So, Hmm. um, if you're into that kind of, you know, the existential stuff we were discussing earlier, you can do that too. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on to Meathead Hippie and uh, we will be in touch soon. I really want you uh, to get involved in the next body awareness project that we talked about and um, I just can't wait to talk more. Okay. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm.